H-Y-Y and Billy Penn, it is hitting season. Hey there, podcast pals. I'm John Stolness from The Good Fight and Billy Penn. You can follow me on Twitter X at John Stolness. Coming up, the winter meetings are over. The Phillies, crickets, crickets, crickets. That's tumbleweed also you saw uh, rolling across your podcast screen. Yes, not much going on with the Phils, and that's been one of the storylines. A relaxed Dave Dombrowski this week at the winter meetings. Not much happening for the Phils, but we did get one huge trade. A guy we've been talking a lot about uh, is not going to be coming to the Phillies here in 2024. We'll go through some of the bigger moves as of Friday morning. That went down at the winter meetings. Also, I'm going to get into a little bit about this Bryce Harper extension talk. I'm going to talk more about this with Justin and Liz uh, when we get together in a couple of days. But here on the Friday edition of Hitting Season, I'll dive into this just a little bit. So this will be a little bit of a shorter podcast here, just kind of a winter meetings recap on this edition of Hitting Season. So uh, I mentioned that the Phillies have been quiet. They had a quiet week at the winter meetings. Dave Dombrowski, Sam Fold, they're just taking meetings, sipping my ties, you know, doing whatever you do when you don't feel a sense of urgency to revamp and make a a big splash. The Phillies, of course, have already made a big splash. And I think we would feel like the Aaron Nola signing was a bigger splash if he wasn't already a part of the team. If Aaron Nola had left someplace else and the Phillies had brought someone else on, I think there would be a little bit more excitement just because it would be something new. But the Phillies made a very big splash in bringing Aaron Nola back. And we have to remember that 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 was a huge, maybe the most important part of the offseason. And leading a lot of reading a lot of what you're hearing from the Phillies beat writers um, talking about a Zach Wheeler extension, uh, the next biggest priority for this team here this offseason. And so that's going to be something that we're going to see, I think, over the next few weeks uh, or maybe as, as we get a little bit closer to spring training. But they are going to agree to a contract extension. I don't have any inside information on that, but you, you, you can almost rest assured that is that is what's going to happen. So. The Phillies haven't done a whole lot other than make a few minor league rule five picks, but even across baseball, it was a boring winter meetings. Juan Soto, the big name to move teams here down in Nashville, not going to be a Philly, at least not in 2024. He will instead be heading to the New York Yankees. Uh, They agreed to a trade that sends five prospects to San Diego in exchange for Soto and Trent Grisham. Now, I don't know much about the prospects that are going back uh, to the Padres. I do see that a lot of different people who've graded this trade gave the the Padres low marks, C's, you know, maybe a B minus here and there, but uh, mostly an, an underwhelming deal from San Diego's perspective, especially when you consider that they traded away a guy who's in his mid-20s and is essentially one of the four or five best hitters in all of baseball. Um, I, I think the guy that uh, most people believe, there was a, like a top 100 prospect in there. It was like in the in the 90s, according to MLB Pipeline, uh, as, as part of this trade. I think Michael King is a, a, a pitcher that will most likely impact the Padres the soonest, but he's not like a Mick Abel. He's 28 years old already. He he only has two seasons of team control. He's never, but he has yet to throw 250 innings in a season. He went back and forth between the rotation and the bullpen uh, last year. Actually, he he went to the rotation late in the season, but was a bullpen piece. Um, a good, a, a bright spot for the team last year. He will probably be in the San Diego starting rotation, but he has a, he's been injured for a lot of his career. Um, he, he, it was the first time since 2018 that this guy King, uh, threw a hundred innings. So like, I'm not sure exactly what you're getting. Um, they also picked up, um, a, a double a starter, uh, 23 year old, uh, what's his name? Thorpe, Drew Thorpe, um, who had some good numbers last year in the minors, but again, there's just nothing here. That's, that's a, an, 
a big needle mover. So the Yankees go out and they get Juan Soto. They had to get Juan Soto. Once it, you know, the, the way after missing the playoffs last year, the, the Yankees had no choice. Like they, they had to be the team to go get him. And there's no word if a long-term extension is coming. It looks like New York is prepared to go into the year with Soto on a one-year deal, or he's going to make about $30 million. It's not a one-year deal. He's in the last year of arbitration. The Yankees were the more desperate team. And that's why it's, it, it always seemed like that they were going to be the ones who were the most engaged with the Padres in talks for Soto. But what does this tell us about the Phillies approach? Because you look at Juan Soto, and we've talked about it a lot on these podcasts, he would have been a perfect fit in this offense, and the Phillies have a hole in left field. That's not a big hole. They can find other ways to fill it, and it looks like that's what they're going to do. They're going to wait until January or February to see which corner outfielders are on the market and which guys they can plug and play. They don't want to ice out Johan Rojas from earning playing time next year. And so if you get Juan Soto... You, you essentially do that for 2024, at least. Now, I would have done that. I, I would have made a trade for Juan Soto. I would have gone, I would have gone after him. But there, I, as far as I can see, there are four things here that explain why the Phillies didn't do it. One, they don't like the player, which I don't believe. I don't think you can look at Juan Soto. I don't think the Phillies looked at Juan Soto and said, yeah, we just don't want to bring that into our clubhouse. We don't like what he brings to the table as a player. But you had Kevin Long was his hitting coach in Washington, D.C., and they've brought over every other good former national. So it's interesting that they didn't, it doesn't seem as though the Phillies were really engaged in in Juan Soto. Maybe they were more engaged early on in the process than we realize. Um it could be, number two, that the Padres simply didn't like the prospects or the young players that the Phillies were willing to offer here in a deal. I find it hard to believe that a deal that was headlined by Mick Abel wouldn't have been interesting for San Diego, uh, but it sounds like he's still an untouchable for the Phillies and mo- almost certainly an untouchable for one year of Juan Soto. And my guess is Soto is telling people that unless you're willing to give me a $500 million contract right now, I'm not signing a long-term extension. So I don't think the Phillies were, were willing to do that. And they certainly were not willing to give up Mick Abel for a one-year rental, even if it is Juan Soto. Again, you can disagree with that. I would give up Mick Abel for one year of Juan Soto, but I can understand the reasoning not to do it. If you believe Mick Abel is going to be a near-the-top-of-the-rotation starter for you for years down the road, and you're going to be spending big money on Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler, um, and you're probably going to have to pay Ranger Suarez at some point. Taiwan Walker is already making some money here. So uh, you're going to need to have some young pitchers come up and and be and be good, good pitchers. And you're hoping Andrew Painter recovers from Tommy John and does the same thing. You don't want to sell Mick Abel for one year of Juan Soto. I understand that. And it's possible San Diego doesn't like Mick Abel enough to, to, to do that trade. Although you see what they got from the Yankees. I'd find that very hard to believe. Now, the third option is the Phillies didn't want to sell the farm for him when they know they can probably get him as a free agent next year. If Soto doesn't sign a long-term extension, I would expect the Phillies to be in the conversation among the teams willing to sign him to a free agent contract. Now, they've already got two very long-term contracts with Trey Turner and Bryce Harper. They're gonna, they've are gonna. they also signed uh, Aaron Nola to a very long-term contract. I don't know how much longer Zach Wheeler's contract will be as a 34-year-old, but they're going to sign him to another four-year deal probably, maybe five years. So do you want to bring a guy along who's going to be another 13-year, 14-year deal? Maybe, but maybe not. You can only do that so many times. And I think the Phillies may have hit their limit. So maybe they didn't want to sell the farm for him when they know they can get him as a free agent next year. But again, I'm not 
I'm not sold on them as playing in the Juan Soto sweepstakes next offseason. The final one, and I think this is very plausible, is that while the Phillies are willing to spend a lot of money to make that team better, I think there does come a point where they are a little salary conscious, specifically about that third luxury tax threshold. I really think they want to avoid that if they can. The Steve Cohen threshold of $277 million, the penalties for crossing that one become pretty severe. It's not you're paying a little bit on the overage, which the Phillies had to do last year. That's that's manageable. Even the second tier is is somewhat manageable. But then you really start losing draft picks, a lot of international money, and the tax on the overage really starts to become felt. You really start to feel it. And so they didn't want to pay $30 million plus dollars to Juan Soto this year, knowing they also need to go get a relief pitcher, knowing they also need to get some bench pieces, knowing they also need to get some starting pitching depth. Like, you get Juan Soto, you're not done for the done for the offseason. There are other still, things, still other things you need to go get. Those are four reasons why I think Juan Soto and the Phillies never really were a match this offseason. And at least Juan Soto is staying in the American League. At least he didn't come into inside the division. You didn't see the Braves or the Mets or the Marlins make a play for him or the Nationals. Of course, that wasn't going to happen. But Soto stays in the American League for another year. Oh, not for another year. He goes to the American League for a year. He's kind of out of sight, out of mind, except when the Phillies play the Yankees. And, you know, if you have to face Juan Soto in the World Series, then so be it. That's a that's a problem you're willing to take. Um, it sounds as though, as I'm recording this on Friday morning, that Shohei Otani will make a decision on his new team as early as Friday. So by the time you hear this, we may know where Shohei Otani is going to go. As of this recording, it sure as heck sounds like the Toronto Blue Jays are the leaders in the clubhouse here. That's where all of the smoke. That's where all the fire is going right now. I would, I would imagine that that is probably the leader in the clubhouse, but the Dodgers also hosted him. Uh, I know Shohei Otani was saying that he would hold it against teams that talked about their meetings because he wanted to keep all of his negotiations quiet and under the radar. So you wonder if Dave Roberts this week coming out and saying, yeah, we met him. It was great. Um, we'd love to have him, all of that stuff, whether or not that was a betrayal of what Shohei Otani wanted. And maybe that's the reason he decides to sign with Toronto. We don't know exact for sure where he's going to go yet, but um, right now I would say that the Toronto Blue Jays are the leaders in the clubhouse. And again, keeping Shohei Otani in the American League would be fine with me if the Phillies aren't going to pursue him, right? He's, as long as he's not coming to Atlanta, as long as he's not coming to New York, as long as he's not coming to the Dodgers or not some other you know, National League powerhouse, I mean, this is this is as good as you could hope for him to stay in the American League. And again, if you face the Blue Jays in the World Series or when you play them in interleague play and you've got to face him three three to six times a year, you, you suck it up and you deal with it. But that's that's good news if it is, in fact, the Toronto Blue Jays where he's going to go. And again, by the time you listen to this podcast, uh, we will probably know where that is. But again, it was never realistic that the Braves were actually going to pursue him, as John Morosi reported earlier this week. Those are all just agent games. And we said as much a couple of days ago when we did our podcast um, back on, on Monday that the Braves we're never going to be in the Shohei Otani sweepstakes. Uh, as far as the uh, young Japanese pitcher Yamamoto, and I don't know why I can never remember his name, his first name, but I'd have to go look it up right now. And I, I don't, I don't, 
I'm not taking the time to do that. Will Salmon of The Athletic reported this week that seven teams have stepped forward as the key players in the Yamamoto bidding. That includes the Blue Jays, the Dodgers, the Giants, the Mets, and the Yankees, and two other mystery teams are also involved. Every time you see mystery team, you think Phillies, based off that Cliff Lee free agent signing before the 2011 season. But I don't think the Blue Jays are going to get both Shohei Otani and Yamamoto. That would be, for Toronto, too much cash. So... Whoever, I think if the Blue Jays or Dodgers, whoever gets Otani, they're out of the Yamamoto bidding, would be my guess. I think right now the Giants probably land Yamamoto. I think they need him more than any other team. Could the Phillies be a mystery team based on what we have heard about their interest in him this offseason? Certainly it could be. Certainly it could be. But I don't think they're willing to pay $300 million for him. And I think that is what it's going to cost to get him, especially like we've said, if the Phillies want to sign Zach Wheeler to an extension this offseason. Just doesn't make any sense. I don't think they would be able to do both. Let's look at some of the other moves through Thursday night. Uh, the Orioles signed Craig Kimbrell to a one-year $13 million deal to be their closer for 2024. I know Phillies fans certainly aren't sad to see him go. And Baltimore, if they overwork him, could see similar problems last year the Phillies were forced to overwork him during the regular season when they lost Jose Alvarado and Sir Anthony Dominguez for an extended period of time he became their closer for the better part of a month and a half to two months but it was more innings than he'd pitched in a decade and it caught up to him in the postseason he really did help save that bullpen in the middle of the season when the Phillies started to get hot you've got to give Craig Kimbrell some props he was very good for most of the season he ran out of gas and became ineffective in the playoffs obviously we know he he was unsuccessful in blue games three and four of the NLCS but you could see it was starting to fall apart in as early as the Atlanta series and that was that was the worry during the regular season when we saw these articles coming out and we started talking about it on the podcast Craig Kimbrell's workload, it was a lot. Would it come back to bite him late in the season? And then you kind of forget about that by the time October rolls around, and there he is in game four, melting down. And so that will be his legacy in Philadelphia, which is a shame given how good he was in the regular season. But when moving forward, whenever you hear the name Craig Kimbrell, you're going to think of game four of the National League Championship Series. And that's just, there's just no way around that. So uh, the Orioles signed Craig Kimbrell to a one-year $13 million deal. Uh, he got one-year $10 million from the Phillies last year, so he earned himself an extra $3 million in 2024. I'm certainly glad the Phillies did not pony up for that. The Diamondbacks, the team that beat the Phillies to get to the World Series, of course, agreed to a four-year $80 million deal with left-handed starter Eduardo Rodriguez. Good young pitcher. It's essentially the same contract the Phillies gave Taiwan Walker a year ago, and I would absolutely recommend rather have Rodriguez than Taiwan Walker at this point. The Diamondbacks needed to get a good number three starter, some of that they could start in game three of a playoff series. Now, Brandon Fott did a great job for them against the Phillies, but you wonder how much of that was the Phillies and how much of that was Brandon Fott. It was pretty clear the Phillies had lost all sense of how to act professionally in the batter's box when um, when game three of the NLCS rolled around. Uh, they also had Ryan Nelson and Zach Davies in the rotation for much of the year. They both had ERAs north of five. How did they lose to this team? My gosh. Um, adding Rodriguez to their rotation will help. He's 30 years old. He had his best year last year. 
As a member of the Tigers, he finished the season with a 3.30 ERA and a 3.66 fielding independent pitching. He pitched 152 in two-thirds innings, struck out 23% of hitters, and walked just 7.7%. Very good numbers, a very consistent season. He had a little bit of an injury issue late in the year. Uh, he had a 2.13 ERA and a 25.5% strikeout rate across his first 11 starts of the season before it kind of came loose a little bit as he was dealing with some injuries, but a good signing by Arizona as they're going to try and get back to the World Series again in 2024. The Reds agreed to a deal with third baseman Jaimir Candelario. He played much of the season last year with the Washington Nationals, a three-year, $45 million deal. There's a club option that would make it a four-year, $60 million deal. He had a career year last year at 30 years old, hit 251, 336, 471, a career-high 22 homers with 39 doubles, and he went eight for nine in stolen bases. Quite a bunch of production for, for the Nationals. And um, uh, let's see who uh, season split between the Nationals, uh, the Tigers, and the Cubs. That's right. He went to the Cubs late in the season. Uh, but now he moves from the Cubs uh, to Cincinnati. Uh, this coming season and for the next three to four seasons as well. The other big trade that went down this week, the Yankees involved in another trade with the Red Sox. They don't usually do business, these two teams, but the Yankees send Alex Verdugo to, I'm not sorry, the Red Sox send Alex Verdugo to New York. So the Yankees get two more outfielders this week. Aaron Judge is going to play center field for that team. You thought the Phillies outfield defense was bad? I mean, Verdugo can really play, so they've got right field figured out, but center field, left field, if you thought what the Phillies had in center field, left field was bad in 2022, oh, friends, they better hit a million home runs. Um, Verdugo was a name you heard mentioned as a possible match for the Phillies because he did play good defense, and he is a low strikeout guy. He's a high contact guy, but he's not much of a power guy. Uh, since uh, in, in 2023, he hit 264 with a 324 on base and a 421 slugging percentage in 602 plate appearances. He's about an 11 to 15 home run a year guy, so not a typical Phillies basher. You could argue the Phillies kind of need a guy like that in the lineup, but there's just not enough offense there for me anyway. And it's likely he would have been a platoon mate with Johan Rojas or Christian Pache or something like that. And the Phillies may end up going and getting a left fielder this week. We all thought for a hot minute that Jock Peterson had signed a contract with the Phillies on Jock Peterson's Instagram. He posted a picture of him clowning with the Philly fanatic and that sent everybody crazy because nowadays that's how things get announced. Guys go on their Instagram and they post a picture of, a, of, of something having to do with the team they just signed with. That's why that's why we follow Instagram. For those of us in the sports world to find out if, if players are, are are down on the outs with their new team, you know, is there, was there a contract squabble? Is there something going on with the front office where they, they, they take everything off of their page having to do with the team that they're playing for? That sometimes is reading the tea leaves. And then you look at a, a picture like what Jock Peterson posted this week of him playing with the Philly Fanatic. You think, did we get Jock Peterson? Now, I wasn't saying it not excited of a voice because, you know, adding Jock Peterson would have been a solid move. And that's kind of the direction I think the Phillies are going, a corner outfielder of that ilk. You'd have Jock Peterson and probably Christian Pache platooning in left field, or maybe it's Johan Rojas, depending on how he plays in spring training. But, um, you know, that's that's not to be. The Phillies quickly said that they have had no conversations with Jock Peterson, so we're not really sure why Jock Peterson decided to post a picture with the Philly Fanatic this week. Maybe it was just to mess with us, and if so... 
golf clap for you, Jock Peterson. Very, very well done. All right, last thing before I wrap up. And again, I want to talk more about this with Justin and Liz when we get together, I think, on Monday night. But Bryce Harper is apparently looking to sign a contract extension now. Extension, you may say. Why an extension when he has another eight years and $196 million due on his contract? Well, he and his team have said that he wants to play into his 40s. His current contract takes him through his age 38 season. So he wants to play another four or five years, probably after his current contract with the Phillies is done. And what they say, their camp says, he just he wants to make sure that he is a Philly for life, which is a wonderful sentiment. And I would love for that to be the case. I hope Bryce Harper never puts on another team's uniform in his life. But I don't think that's the real reason here. The real reason, I think, is that he is due to earn, on average, AAV, twenty a little, a little under $25.4 million a year. That works out to the 41st largest average annual value salary in baseball. He is definitely underpaid. John Middleton said as much after the 2022 NLCS. I think I think I underpaid him. So I think it's more about trying to get Harper a little bit more in terms of AAV, a little bit more in terms of his money. You could add another five years onto this and take it up to an, like a 13 years, a 13 year deal. Um, is it smart baseball? To sign a player who's entering his 30s is signed through his age 38 season to an extension. It seems ludicrous, right? We went we went bonkers when Ruben Amaro signed Ryan Howard to a five-year extension when he still had like another year and a half left on his deal. And, and that would have taken that took him through like his age 35 season. And we knew Ryan Howard wouldn't age well. I think Bryce Harper, we all think is gonna age really well here. But this it would not be smart baseball. But we're talking about like the year 2036. Like who do we care about 2036 right now? Who knows what this team is going to look like in 2036? And I think what you're seeing from with Bryce Harper now is he is a legacy player. Obviously, he's going to go into the Hall of Fame. He's going to go in as a Philly. His, he's already done everything you could want a player to do except win the World Series. And they got close. And they're going to keep getting close, probably, as long as he's here. They're going to have a chance every year as long as he's here and he's playing like this. How long can he play like this for? How long can he do this? He might be able to do it for a long time. He might be able to do it into his 40s, especially once he becomes a full-time designated hitter, which is probably going to happen at some point in the next five, six years. I think he can play at first base very well for the next four or five years unless he starts developing chronic back issues. That is, a, that is a point of contention that Bryce Harper has had back problems throughout his career. He has had injuries throughout his career. Do you sign another five years? Do you commit to 13 years? Here's the, here's the deal. There, I don't think there is any way the Phillies will ever let Bryce Harper play for another team. And again, if you give him another five years now, we're talking about the year... 2034, 2035, 2036. Do we really care right now about that? We will, we might then, but who knows what the team's going to look like then? Might not be as big a deal. Who knows what the salary cap situation is going to look like then? At that point, it might not be that big a hit on the, on the salary cap, on the luxury tax. I keep saying salary cap. It's a luxury tax. So if, if this is what it's going to take to keep Bryce Harper happy, I, I think that's what's most important. Is it smart baseball? No. It's, it's, a, it's a terrible baseball decision. 
because it could the, really the only thing it's going to do is backfire. It really, it really. But I think you're more worried about it backfiring now, not doing it and risking him being unhappy or just dampening the vibes or the mood in any way. Bryce Harper wants to be a Philly for life. Go ahead and make him a Philly for life. He's he could very well go down. He could surpass Mike Schmidt as the best player this franchise has ever seen. I think that's the track he's on. And so if that's the case, make him a Philly for life. Just do it. Make him a Philly for life. I have no problem if they decide to do that. The smart thing is to say no. But the last thing you want to do is make Harper unhappy. If there's any if there's any player in baseball you just want to do anything to make them happy right now, especially if it's out of loyalty and wanting to stay in Philadelphia, which is again, I do think it's part of his reasoning, then I say you do it. But we're going to talk more about that with Justin and Liz on the next podcast as well, uh, because there's a a lot of different thoughts, a lot of different feelings about signing a player we all love dearly to an extension that we all know is bad business in baseball. But um, sometimes you just got to you just got to do what you got to do in order in order to make uh, in order to make things happen uh, and keep things rolling right now. All right, everybody, look, that's going to do it for this quick edition of Hit and Season. We'll be back on Monday night to talk about this. Uh, We'll probably be able to talk about where Shohei Otani signed and give you some other news and nuggets on the fills and the hot stove and see where things are. Maybe the Phillies have made a signing or a trade by then. Wouldn't hold my breath. Doesn't seem like that's the uh, that's the vibe around the Phillies right now. Uh, but that's why we do these podcasts. We will keep you up to date on everything happening with the Phils and around Major League Baseball. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time right here on Hit and Season. 